Um, African art and African dance forms and, and cultural expressions have such deep philosophical meanings because they're usually powerful messages about life, about how we should live as human beings with each other. Welcome to season two of the Arts Access Florida podcast. I'm your host, Malika Hollist. This podcast was born from our online initiative, Arts Access Florida, where the mission is to make art accessible to everyone. In each episode, our goal is to amplify the voices of the diverse nonprofit organizations in our community and spread their art to all of you. Conversations, community, and connection is right here on the Arts Access Florida podcast. Support for Arts Access Florida comes from Community Foundation Tampa Bay, championing philanthropy, encouraging and connecting givers to bring lasting good, investing in education and economic mobility. Learn more at cftampabay.org. That's cftampabay.org. For our first episode of season two and to kick off Black History Month, we wanted to share with you the Ivory Coast Art Exhibit. Today's guests are Dr. Fenda Akibumi, Director of the Institute on Black Life at USF, and Dr. Michael Orlowski, a physician and curator of art who have collaborated on this exhibit. We hope you enjoy this episode on art from the Ivory Coast, African history, and spreading African art and culture right here to our community. Hi, Dr. Akiwumi and Dr. Olaski. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you wouldn't mind, um, would you just introduce yourself to our audience? Okay. Well, I'm actually a professor in the School of Geosciences at USF. I've been at USF since 2006. I'm in the Environmental Science and Geography program in that school. But in 2018, I took up an additional assignment as the director of the Institute on Black Life at USF because a lot of my research has to do with Africa and the African diaspora. And so they felt that in many ways, my research um, gave me a, a deep understanding of, of the mission and the goals of the Institute on Black Life. So I've been doing that since 2018. The Institute on Black Life is part of the College of Arts and Sciences here at USF. Could you tell us a little bit about its establishment? Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so the Institute was founded in 1986 and Dr. Jules Smith was the founding director of the Institute. But both she and her husband were employed at USF at the time. And so it has a long history with a mission actually to be a resource center on, on issues of concern to black people all across the world. So in Africa, the African diaspora on the African continent and, and the main goals are to promote scholarly exchange, cultural awareness, um, educate people about the importance of cultural diversity. Um, community engagement has always been at the core of the Institute's mission. And it started locally in the African-American communities here, but today we have communities all across the world that we connect with and do research with and so on. And of course we involve our students in every, every step of the way. So student success is our third goal where we try and, and get students to understand the importance of cultural heritage of being aware of their cultural heritage, 
Um, we give them travel scholarship opportunities. We give them scholarships to help them graduate. And we also give them opportunities to work as interns or research assistants with faculty who might be looking for students to participate in their projects. And Dr. Orlowski? Sure. Uh, so uh, Dr. Michael Orlowski, I'm a physician, uh, went to the University of South Florida College of Medicine. And I got reconnected with USF uh, when I returned in 2013. I have a nice art collection from my time in Africa when I was in high school and made a connection with Fenda. And we've been discussing and working together in transitioning my exhibit to a permanent exhibit in her department. Um, and I'm very excited to talk about that today. Awesome, exciting. Your time in Africa was, you said, I think you said it was in high school? Yes, I had just, uh, it was in 1972. Mm -hmm. I had just finished my senior year. Um, I had an uncle who was a um, vice president of an international construction company, and his company had established a contract with the Ivory Coast to build a sugar refinery and sugar fields in the northern part of their country to provide an export uh, for the uh, Ivory Coast people. And uh, my dad was actually involved in training the individuals from the Ivory Coast on how to run a factory and how to do sugar agriculture. And through that connection, I was offered a summer job in the capital city of Abidjan in the Ivory Coast to help with the office setup and to learn a little bit about the country and the opportunities there. And so my introduction was really through family contacts uh, into a world that I had never experienced. And uh, it really provided both a subtle and a persistent uh, set of experiences throughout my life. But I had never been out of the country. I'd never been to even Canada or Mexico. So my first experience abroad was landing in the Ivory Coast. Oh, wow. And I had with me uh, five years of high school French study, uh, enough language to kind of get around, but I quickly discovered that I wasn't nearly as fluent as I thought I was in the language. So that's how I arrived and uh, it, the adventure kind of took off from there. Okay, so then would you mind telling us, how did you come to acquire this collection? I had gone to various markets around the city of Abidjan, of which there are many local markets uh, selling goods. And I worked with my driver, who was an Ivory Coast man, uh, to identify the items I wanted. And then I had him go back and purchase them for me. And the reason I had him do it instead of doing it directly was uh, they don't have price tags. You just ask what it is and then you barter for the cost. And I knew that a local would do much better uh, bartering for the cost of the items than I could do on my own. So, so that's how I procured them. They were all obtained within about a three to four week period using the various markets. And they represent a cross section of things that caught my interest and I thought represented well the different people I had had contact with uh, during that time. When it comes to the exhibit, is there anything specific you would want people to know that they can expect there? Well, it's, it's a collection of, of my items plus other items that already uh, the university has. 
So I'll, I'll speak to my collection and perhaps Fenda can speak to the, the other parts of it. But so I, I have uh, several uh, traditional African masks uh, that all have specific meanings and purpose. Uh, I have some tapestries, one of which is a batik uh, that was made in very much a way that an American batik might have been made, but with an African theme. And probably the, the most um, interesting piece I have is what's called a korhogo cloth. It is sometimes also called a mud cloth. It is entirely handmade, everything from the cloth to the, the ink that's used in it. And it's a very large specimen. It's roughly 10 feet by seven feet. And when you see these things in museums, typically they're two feet by three feet. They're not of the dimensions that we have here. So this is a pretty unique piece. It illustrates um, in symbolic form a parade and has characters in it that represent uh, traditional, uh, they have traditional meanings in the tribal language of what is a snake, what is an antelope, uh, what is a turtle, what is a fish. And, and uh, so, so that's a big piece of it. The other items I have that are kind of my personal favorites include some of the bright clothing. Um, there's a, a traditional dashiki dress. And I'll keep in mind, everything here is 50 years old. It's from 1972. Mm -hmm. And the, these are extremely well-preserved. Uh, you would not know that it was an old item at all. It's it's colorful. It's, it's very attractive. It is flattering to whoever wears it. Um, and, and some of the other colorful artworks of cloth and tapestry are there. And then the last thing I have is some uh, African currency uh, that was used during that time, which may be of interest to people who uh, follow things like stamps and money. Um, but the cultural items are largely the tapestries, the carvings, uh, and and the um, uh, the cloth. Yes. So as Dr. Olasky said, the other half of the exhibit are actually pieces that belong to the Contemporary Art Museum here at USF on the Tampa campus. And Shannon Annis was very gracious and she helped us identify pieces from the Ivory Coast that we can add to the collection to make it more extensive. And most of those pieces are actually sculpt, um, woodwork, wood carvings. We don't have too many tapestries and so on. And Dr. Kusimba, um, Dr. Um, Chap Kusimba in the Department of Anthropology has written um, some, some short um, descriptions of, of those pieces. So the audience will have an opportunity to, to learn about where they come from, what they mean, and so on. And, and of course, there'll be opportunities then to, to look further into any particular piece that one might be interested in. And so, so yes, we were able to, to, to find enough pieces from specific to the Ivory Coast to add to Dr. Olaski's collection. Wow, sounds like you guys have a lot of great pieces there. I'm excited to see it. While you're enjoying this episode of Arts Access Florida, we want to tell you about another podcast we think you'll like. The Zest is WUSF's podcast about food in Florida. We explore food history, chat with award-winning chefs, and more. Listen at thezestpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank <laughs> you.
And now let's return to our conversation with Dr. Akiwumi. And how did you come together? So you can just imagine my good fortune in the middle of the pandemic era when we were still trying mm -hmm. to figure out whether life would be the same again and we'd be back in our office spaces and whatever. I got this lovely email from Dr. Orlowski telling me about this collection and saying that he would, he would like to share it with us there at the Institute on Black Life and could we talk about that? And thankfully they were allowing us back with, with distancing and masks and so on. So we met in the IBL conference room and we kept our six feet and we wore our masks and we just had a very relaxed conversation about his experiences in Africa. Of course, my father's from Africa, from Sierra Leone. And so I'm, I've been to the Ivory Coast, so I'm very familiar with, with um, West Africa. And so we just had a, a very good conversation. It was just good fortune in, in this moment because it, it represented everything that that we want to do under our community engagement goal. So um, we talked a little bit about how we could, we could find a good place to, to showcase that work. And initially we were just thinking about maybe finding a place on campus um, where, and where we could actually have, have them on display where a lot of people, a place with a lot of traffic where people could actually see the pieces. And so we, he said he'd think about it and, and then next thing you know, he's contacting me and saying, you know, I think this would be a wonderful opportunity to fundraise for the Institute on Black Life. Why don't we think about doing a proper art ex exhibit? And we can invite people that we know who might donate. He said he had some friends who would be interested and family members who would also support this. And of course, I, I picked it up and ran with it because I thought this was such a, a wonderful idea because we had yes. never done anything like that before at the Institute. And so to cut, cut a long story short, I mean, here we are all through his efforts, bringing in people who he knew would be on board with this and who would support um, the, our mission to, 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 to give cultural awareness to people in the community. But just as he said, about Africa, about African culture, about African art, as we know, there's so many stereotypes about Africa. And so this mm -hmm. is a wonderful way to showcase some of the, the beauty and, and diversity and, and knowledge base on the continent. I would love to know from both of you when it comes to the Ivory Coast art and just African art in general, what do you think um, is so unique about it that's different to other art that we see? There's not a lot of opportunities for people who are born here in America to see that kind of art. So yeah, I would love to know what you think is so unique about it. So I'll, I'll take that one. And you know, my, my hope is that this art will spur curiosity among the people who see it to get to know more about the part of the world where this comes from. Uh, Finda has heard me talk about this. My experience, as I said, it was the first time I'd ever been out of the country. I will tell you also, it was the very first time and it was a life experience for me of what it was like to be a minority. Um, I'm a white uh, male and the country, of course, being African, um, I, I was aware every day of being different than looking different than the other people. And, and so being able to be enriched by that culture, being able to not only in, in terms of skin color, uh, but it, it was heavily Muslim. Uh, French was the main language, but the next language was Arabic. And, and so I was really experienced into a world at a young age, 18, where you're still learning about things at a rapid pace and, and to see what was really very unique and different about these people, their color, their dance, their music, 
their artistic expression, their colloquial expressions, their love of soccer, all of those kind of things left an impression for me. And so the artifacts and the arts that I have each represents something from that time, uh, whether it's a particular tribe, a particular method by which uh, they illustrated things, the folklore or the history behind why they did things the way they did. My hope is that what this does is really stimulate people to have an interest in a part of the world that is emerging. And I think will become one of the most dominant parts on the planet uh, by the end of the century. And we need to know more about it. And, and in relation to that question, what mm -hmm. I'd like to say is that, you know, um, African art and African dance forms and, and cultural expressions have such deep philosophical meanings. So, you know, you might look at a mask and think, of course, historically as, as a result of the colonial heritage, it's been very um, typical for people to think of African art as primitive art, right? When, when they think about artwork, but when you, you delve into the, the meaning behind say a simple mask, it will just blow your mind because they're usually powerful messages about life, about how we should live as human beings with each other, um, stories about um, the creation stories, right? Stories about mm -hmm. birth and death. Um, it, it's just, a, they're just a, a, a minefield of wisdom and, and, and a and minefield of, of philosophical thought. And people don't think about that when they think about African art form. Right. You know? So just like Dr. Orlowski said, hopefully this will inspire people to, to find out more about what these pieces mean, um, not only to Africans, but to, 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 to the humanity as a whole. Since it's Black History Month, we wanted to take this opportunity to highlight the Black community. However, why do you think it's important to highlight this community, not just only this month, but often? Yeah, so um, I, I think it, it is a misunderstood and it needs to be better understood part of American history. Uh, I know we've been talking about artwork. Um, I have a colleague, a friend of mine from high school who is a former dean at the College uh, School of Music at UCLA who's written a book on American music and all traditional American music that he has identified, everything from, from jazz uh, forward uh, has originated in the African community. Uh, African culture has been a strong influencer of American culture all along. And I think this, and not just in the arts, um, also in science, uh, in literature, and, and it's been underrepresented for a variety of reasons uh, that we're probably not gonna go into here today, um, but every opportunity to embrace all the cultures, including the African-American history that has come to the United States is an important part of understanding the country, understanding ourselves, understanding our values and understanding and appreciating the importance that everybody brings. So I just think my exhibit is another example of a way to immerse yourself for a period of time in another world and get to understand it and see it a little differently. 
Dr. Orlowski covered most of the ground that I was going to talk about, the importance of, of educating people and changing stereotypes about Africa or Black people anywhere in the world. And, and of course, colonialism came with a denigration of, 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 of Black history, Black knowledge, and so on, and all kinds of forms of oppression, whether colonialism or racism or any other form of oppression. That The, the goal was to denigrate so that to justify whatever exploitation was taking place. So it's only now that we're really beginning to, um, to see people making an effort to, to make the um, knowledge known, make the history of Africa known, the culture of Africa, the mm -hmm. art of Africa. And when I say Africa, I'm talking about African-Americans, Africans in the diaspora, Black people, the rich history we have, the rich legacy that we've left to the whole world, just like Dr. Olowski said. And so every opportunity we have to educate, to share, whether it's through um, what he's doing here by donating his art pieces or in any other way, I think we have an obligation to do that. I wanna publicly thank Dr. Orlowski for taking the initiative um, to, to, to meet with me, to, to talk about ways in which we could help towards this goal of educating, scholarly exchange, knowledge production, all the things that IBL is all about. He gave me a wonderful opportunity to do this and to do this in the community. And um, so we're looking forward to a very, um, nice event. It's all he's also set it up as a fundraiser for the institute, so that we can have the opportunity to do more things to educate. Um, he's been very kind, and he's agreed to be on my community advisory council for the institute. And so I just want to publicly say thank you, Mike. You have been an inspiration to me. You're very welcome. And just to underscore one other part that you made, which is. Um, you know, I'm happy and thrilled to be able to give a gift like this. Uh, if others are so inspired either to provide a gift of this or funding in some way for the department to encourage students with scholarships and study, uh, there's a way to do that too through, uh, through this exhibit. And so I would encourage people who are moved to do so uh, to please check into that and provide additional support. Well, thank you both for being on the podcast. The Ivory Coast Art Exhibit is open now until February 11th at Harbor Hall at the USF St. Petersburg campus. It was such a pleasure to have Dr. Olaski and Dr. Ukiwumi on the podcast today to listen to them share their knowledge and really share their passion on African art and culture. Another little thing I wanted to share with you guys that's just really interesting is when I was working to put this podcast together, I reached out to the Institute on Black Life and found out that the director there was Dr. Akiwumi. And like she says in the podcast, her father grew up in Sierra Leone, but she did as well. And coincidentally, so did my parents. And Dr. Okiwami and my parents are actually childhood friends because they both grew up in Freetown, Sierra Leone together. It was such a pleasure for me and such a treat personally to listen to her and learn from her. And I feel very grateful that we were able to share that with all of you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Arts Access Florida podcast. You can find more information on today's guests in the show notes. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Arts Access Florida or go to our website, artsaccessflorida.org to get access to the arts. That's arts, A-X-I-S-F-L.org. Our show is a product of WUSF Public Media and made possible by our sponsors, Community Foundation Tampa Bay and Gobiaf Foundation. 
A special thanks to our editor, Scott Walkler, and many more who make this show possible. Copyright 2022, WUSF Public Media.